Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Welcome to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. We were supposed to have Senator Ted Cruz on tonight. I'm going to deal with that in a final thought. We do expect him next week. But we were lucky, and I use that word literally, uh, enough to get Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin uh, to comment on my column that I wrote yesterday and the investigations by the House. First, I have to ask you, you are are the uh, ranking member of the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, which I think is the most important Senate committee in existence. Because you have oversight on corruption, okay? And you're the second ranking member. If the Senate goes to the Republicans in 24, you'll be the chairman. The chairman now is Richard Blumenthal, the liberal Democrat from Kentucky. He doesn't want any part of this Biden stuff, correct? No, he doesn't. And when we last time we were in the majority, I was chairman of the full committee, the uh, Committee on Homeland Security Governmental Affairs, yeah, I was working with Senator Grassley, then chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and we were investigating Hunter Biden. We did not have, I did not have the support of my Republican colleagues on my committee, or we didn't have the support of our conference to, for example, subpoena the Bidens. Thought it was too political in 2020. Why, so, didn't you, why didn't the Republicans on your committee support you in issuing the subpoenas? Oh, they thought it was too political during a, a political campaign. So they thought they thought the American people, they thought the American people would see it as a political thing and go against the Republican Party. That's it. Right. We issued our report in September of 2020. It was uh, widely uh, ignored by the media. But all through 2020, both Senator Grassley and I were accused by the media, by our Democrat colleagues of uh, soliciting and disseminating Russian disinformation, even though our report was was completely based on uh, U.S. records, Treasury records, suspicious activity reports. In September 2020, we laid out the vast web of foreign financial entanglements, the the millions of dollars of transactions with CEFC, Burisma, Russia, 
Uh, we pretty well laid this out. Uh, the, the House is building on, our, on the record we provided, but uh, the FBI was completely unha unhelpful. They sabotaged our efforts as well. Unbelievable. So have you ever talked to Blumenthal about I, I know there's a collegiality in the Senate, and there should be. I mean, you guys need to talk to each other. and You, you know, you, you don't want to be yelling at each other. It's not the Civil War. They're up to the Civil War. But have you ever talked to Blumenthal and say, look, you know, just for the American people's sake, let's try to clarify all of these unanswered questions about the Biden family finances. Have you said that to him? Senator Blumenthal wrote an article that the Washington Post ran uh, in 2020, again, accusing us of uh, uh, soliciting Russian disinformation. And right, that so I was he hasn't changed his mind. Yeah. He hasn't changed. He, he, he literally said the CIA thought I was so dangerous they wouldn't even brief me. They wouldn't brief us because we'd already been briefed, for example, on Andrei Teloshenko. So no, Bill, throughout 2020, the media, our Democrat colleagues were interfering in our, and then the FBI were interfering in our investigation. And nothing's changed. To the, disclosing what was happening to the Bidens. Nothing's changed, even though we have whistleblowers, we have, uh, nothing's changed at all, nothing. They still, no. they don't, not interested, right? Right. Okay. Now, did you know about Fatima Graves, the uh, wife of the U.S. attorney that we uncovered has visited the Biden White House 28 times and her husband, Matthew Graves, refused to cooperate with the uh, U.S. attorney in Delaware on the Hunter Biden situation? Did you know about Fatima Graves? No, that, that, that was your scoop. And that's why we need an investigative reporters like yourself to help us. We need the whistleblowers. And we, we are fortunately getting more and more whistleblowers. We, we have people like you that are digging up uh, this information, building on the evidence that Senator Grassley and I put out there. But, Bill, there, there are literally three scandals here. You have the, the, the Biden family corruption. You have the corruption of the FBI and Department of Justice. And then you, have, of course, have the corruption of the complicit and corrupt uh, mainstream media who won't right. cover this, who won't cover this uh, story. You know, it, it is very troubling to people. And I, I, I'm going to take ideology out of this. I mean, we want an honest country. It's beyond any reasonable doubt the FBI has been corrupted. Beyond any reasonable doubt, they have been corrupted. And now you have the media. There's nothing anybody can do about the media because the First Amendment protects the media. The corporations have taken it over. And independent journalists like me have to do the heavy lifting now because the corporations order their people not to. Um, and there's nothing anybody can do about that. But you can do stuff about the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland. So this, this brings me to impeachment. You have access to uh, the Republican-controlled House. Is that bubbling up, impeachment against Merrick Garland? I think it's a real possibility. We're, we're going to have to sort out who's telling the truth between David Weiss and Merrick Garland when uh, Merrick Garland said that he had complete authority. And then David Weiss, of course, uh, uh, wrote two letters to Jim Jordan that are also contradictory, that in one case said that he had full authority and then he, he hedges his bets on, on June 30th. The problem, Bill, is that the process has been set up, the procedures within FBI and Department of Justice to, to basically insulate themselves from scrutiny. You said it earlier in, in your uh, uh, opening there. Uh, they always use the excuse, well, there's an active investigation, so right. we can't share this information with Congress. Now, we were frustrated because we had the John Durham investigation. And so we were we couldn't uh, get the documents that we had subpoenaed Christopher Wray uh, to turn over, even though the president of the United States, Donald Trump, wanted those documents turned over. 
So again, the Department of Justice, the FBI have insulated themselves from effective scrutiny. And, and how do you investigate the premier investigatory agency of, of uh, Congress has to do States. it. You know, it's the how, only how, body how you, that can do it. Hold accountable but, the chief law enforcement uh, let me department. Let me offer this. Let me offer this. Because I know you talked to uh, Comer and Jordan and, and all of those people. You've got a situation where Merrick Garland, under oath, tells the House, look, I gave Weiss full authority in this investigation. He's under oath saying that, Right. Two U.S. attorneys were requested in writing. Matthew Graves, who's we referred to with his wife Fatima going to the White House 28 times, and Martin Estrada in California, because her allegations that Hunter Biden received foreign money in both of those places. Weiss asked both of those U.S. attorneys to cooperate, partner with him. They refused. Merrick Garland could have ordered them to to cooperate. Merrick Garland is their boss. That's where you go. That's how you get Garland. Well, and now we also have the IRS whistleblower, you know. Okay, but wait, wait. Well, let's get to that in a moment. Okay. Because Garland's hanging out there now. You see what I mean? This is what frustrates me. He's hanging out there saying, oh, no. Why said full authority when he himself could have ordered those two men to cooperate with Weiss and did not. Right. Now, so cover reason, up. Is, the, 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 I reason mean, I mentioned, the reason I ahead. mentioned Shapley is, is he, he, has, he, he was in the meetings where basically Weiss said, I don't have the authority. So we've got, I think, enough evidence that the House should hold hearings, impeachment hearings, not, not only on Garland. They ought to hold impeachment hearings on Mayorkas and also on Anthony Blinken, who lied to my investigators when he said he never emailed Hunter Biden. You know, Bill, there is so much here oh, I know. Uh, to, to, to uh, you know, really hang these guys on. Uh, but unfortunately, I lost my chairmanship. Uh, we don't have the subpoena authority. And as you said, you know, Blumenthal, uh, Wyden, uh, these folks have no interest. Gary None. Peters, they have no interest in investigating None. this. It, so we have to rely on the House. And by the way, we're, we're working with the uh, Comer and Jordan to provide what information know. we know to help them prepare for their interviews. Now, the key question to all of this, as I wrote in my column, and again, I hope people go and take the time to read the column on BillOReilly.com. The real important thing is whether or not, and I want to emphasize the two words, or not, Vice President Biden, then Vice President Biden, derived money from his son and brother's activities. Did he get money? I don't see a smoking gun yet. Do you have one? Well, I see smoke. Okay, for example, you know, we we have emails from Hunter where he's emailing his uh, daughter saying that, uh, unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Yeah, but that could be hyperbole. You know him. I I, I understand. Again, it's smoke. You know, the other thing is, uh, you know, this John Solomon reported this. You know, the vice president reported making $16 million once he left office. But then his financial disclosure, he only discloses assets of $3.2 million. Where did the money go? And he also doesn't tell us exactly where that $16 million came from. I mean, could that be some of the money that was disclosed in those 1023 uh, forms? Well, I got to get a subpoena for that. Source? So, again, we have, we have plenty of smoke out there. Right. We have a smoking gun, not yet, but there's not been a thorough investigation. 
Would you do me a, would you do me a favor and so I know you're busy, but sometime today, if you can get Comer and Jordan's attention, would you please tell them to subpoena Fatima Graves, the wife of Matthew Graves, the U.S. attorney in, in Washington, and ask her under oath what the deuce she's doing in the White House 28 times? I mean, what yeah, is that? Absolutely. Listen, I, I, if I were doing the investigations, I would have subpoenaed a lot more people than have been subpoenaed so far. But again, they, they want to get the documents before the interviews. You know, these investigations, it, it's a process. It takes time. It's oh, I not know. Real easy. I know. But when you have that coincidence that the word conduit, you see, they're never going to put this stuff in writing. Right. But if this woman is carrying information from the Justice Department, remember, her husband works with Merrick Garland in the same building in D.C. She's carrying information from them over to Biden and then Biden administration back to the Justice Department. I mean, come on. Bill, it's the exact same thing Anthony Blinken used his wife for. She was the one emailing Hunter Biden, but uh, Anthony Blinken slipped up and emailed Hunter himself when it came to Blue Star Strategies and some of the Burisma things. So again, it's it's a tried and true method that they use you know, their, their spouses to be the conduits. So no, we'll, we'll, I will definitely Bring your column up to the attention of uh, Comer and Jordan. Yeah, we sent it to him, but I know everybody's busy, but you got to, now is the time to focus on this thing. I mean, really micro this thing. As you know, I think you know, the Democratic Party is really worried about this. They're really worried that Biden's going to get taken down by this. Well, they should be worried, but again, they, they can always rely on the mainstream media, the complicit. Yeah, but complicit, yeah, yeah, but you can get a, as oh, I, I said, if you impeach Merrick Garland, they have to cover that story. And then all of the evidence against Merrick Garland is put forth into the public arena. That's how you do it. Well, right. Impeachment hearings are very important. You want to have the, the lay the predicate, have as much documentation before those hearings. And that's, you know, that's what they're trying to attain. All right. You know, Senator, it's very nice of you to come on. We know how busy you are. Uh, you're welcome anytime. Um, I'm going to stay honest because, look, it's my job. And I know the other media doesn't do their job anymore. I understand the corruption in the media. It's unprecedented in this country right now. But we're going to stay on it. And uh, it's very nice of you to, to uh, give my audience. And remember, our audience is worldwide now, Senator. We got 300 radio stations. We got direct TV. We got the first. We got distribution on uh, Facebook. I mean, we're a colossus now. And I don't think people in Congress understand that. So we want to oh, funnel that? information through somebody who doesn't answer to Comcast or Warner Brothers Discovery or uh, CBS. I don't answer to anybody. And that's what we want to do. And it's very, very, and you're a patriot for coming on, explaining your point of view to the American people. Oh, listen, we really appreciate you know, it. I understand. I appreciate your efforts. We need more investigatory journalists. We need more whistleblowers. We need people to come forward with the yep. truth. You need a John Dean inside the Biden White House. That's what you need. But I don't know if that'll ever happen. All right, Senator, we'll talk again soon. I hope. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the Internet. 
Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Let's bring in a guest who I think disagrees with me a little, and I love that. You know how I like that. Her name is Kelly Vejos. I hope I got that. She works for the Quincy Institute, which is a think tank, uh, and studies uh, situations all over the world in a U.S. context, joining us now from Washington. So uh, where did I go wrong? Did I go wrong anywhere? Well, I mean, I think you might be a little optimistic on Putin's demise. I think um, there are plenty of people who would hope that he would disappear. I guess the question is, how would it happen? I don't think the American people are interested in another regime change war in which our entire U.S. foreign policy is geared towards ousting another foreign leader um, and then having to deal with a vacuum, a power vacuum after. Uh, Many experts on Russia say, you know, if Putin was gone tomorrow, there'd probably be a more nationalistic or hardline uh, person waiting in the wings because that's where the the power center is right now. Okay, let me let me dissent from that analysis. The military would take over Russia, as you know, probably. Uh, It's the only other body that could uh, run the country. The oligarchs uh, aren't making any money now. They'll back the military and business as usual. Everybody gets rich. Um, Putin can't stay there. He's been embarrassed by the uh, Wagner group, even though there's some detente in the air. Nobody believes that. The Russian people don't like Putin. Um, that nationalism is gone um, on the backs of the 50,000 dead and more than 100,000 maimed. Um, he can't recruit. People are leaving Russia in droves. He's done. It's just a matter of how. He's not going to survive this. And if he does, I'll have you back on and I'll say you were right and I was wrong. But I can't. I'm a historian. There's no leader on the skids like Putin who has ever survived it. And a vacuum? Soviet military takes over. Soviet military is in business to make money and the oligarchs will come in and it'll be back to business. And that's what I see. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, there there's plenty of polling in Russia that say that it's not as clear cut as you say that nobody. Well, wait, in wait, wait, works. wait. You know, Putin. if you if a polling outfit calls you and you go against Putin, you're going to get a knock on the door. Come on. Right. But I've seen polling by. Uh, polling companies that are actually uh, trusted by the Kremlin uh, come out with with uh, much more um, temperate uh, results in terms That's of propaganda. what the Russian people are, are thinking. And they do, you know, in many ways do support the war effort in Ukraine. I don't believe I mean, that for a second. I don't believe that. Okay, I don't believe so, that propaganda for a second. It's okay, like, for every, example, wait, 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 for example, it's like every totalitarian regime on Earth. They always put that stuff out. You think the Russian people are happy with this Ukraine thing? You think they're happy with it? I don't know what else we have to go by, Bill, when you have poll after poll after poll that show that the Russian people support the war effort. All done I'm by the sure Kremlin. There are gradations in there um, that you can probably just dismiss. But on, on, on point, the, the, the Russian people have su- supported this. I just want to give you one example. Um, Navalny, who is the uh, her- much heralded democracy leader in, um, in Russia, who is in jail for his, his political activism, has been a supporter of, of Russia 
remaining in Crimea because the Russian people believe Crimea is Russian it's and they support the Russian situation. people in Crimea. But no, but two it's, so to situations. say that they don't support the war effort, right. that's that's erroneous. It's very complicated. There is a there are Russian speaking people in Ukraine. There are Russian parts of Ukraine that are supported by the people in Russia, and they support Russia being able to maintain. Okay, then why its then, there. if you what so you to say that they true. don't support the war, they don't support wait, wait, wait. Putin? I feel why is, then, um, if what you're saying, if what you're saying is true, and I don't believe it is, not because you are being deceitful, I think you're buying into propaganda. When the Wagner Group rebelled a few weeks ago against Moscow, no military, Russian military unit, stepped up to fight them. They seized a fairly large Russian city without any resistance. All right. In fact, six Russian generals crossed over to help the Wagner Group. All six have been arrested and they're probably dead now because the Wagner Group backed down for whatever reason. I don't know. My analysis is based on U.S. and British intelligence, what they are putting out, because I have access to some of that, and they are directly contradicting any kind of poll that would be taken in a country where the people are frightened to death of saying anything negative about their government. So let's advance it a little bit longer. If you were advising President Biden, what would you tell him to do right now as far as Ukraine and Putin? Well, I would tell him to start opening up communications with their Russian counterparts, whether it be the Secretary of State's counterpart, the CIA's counterpart, uh, the Secretary of Defense counterpart, and get some talking going. Because well, I agree with you, Bill, this is a stalemate. And it's surely going to you train. know, surely you know that the United States ambassador to the Vatican was involved with Pope Francis's trip to try to convince Putin to go to the peace table. So there, is, there are uh, avenues where the United States and Great Britain and the NATO countries have said to Putin, hey, we're willing to talk about peace. That's what they say. Yeah, That's what they well, say, Bill. Why would the Pope um, go? They say when they're pressed, but I don't see any evidence of it. I don't see any evidence that they are they are focused on a diplomatic pathway. I see a why lot of would, evidence why would Pope Francis pouring more go money then? into the war and the more fighting, which is only destroying Ukraine. Because as you know, the best they can get out of this is a stalemate. The best. So you think, you oh, think oh. it's better for Putin to run Ukraine, take it over, as he has Belarus and Georgia? You think that's better? Okay, no, no. The I think it would be better to change course freedom? here because the current course isn't working. Because it's not working you know, for Putin, but it's working for Ukraine because they fought them through stalemate. Is it? Yeah. They don't have as, they don't have as many soldiers. They don't have as many weapons. They don't have they don't have production lines. We just had to give them cluster munitions because we're running out of regular artillery shells to give Ukraine. We've leaned on all of our allies to give every piece of ammo that we possibly so you can. think it's better Ukraine, for the Ukrainian... we don't have the production lines going enough to fund you, and you think you think it's better for the Ukrainian people to be subjugated by Moscow rather than a fight for their freedom no I didn't say that I yes, said we did. need to get a dip we need to get talks going to end the war that doesn't okay. mean subjugation you're ignoring is the, the Pope Francis here. entree totally ignoring that the man went 
with the blessing of Biden and yes. the U.S. ambassador and Putin Wait, tell him to get banned. The Pope did? The Pope did? I didn't yeah. know that the Pope was like coordinating with, with Washington. Yeah. The Pope made him a mission. Of course they coordinate with Washington. What do you think the U.S. Oh, ambassador so. in the Vatican does? I, I don't I don't believe that, but I, I guess you it sounds good on paper. I don't believe that because if they really did, they would continue pushing the Vatican to keep that shuttle diplomacy going. There's no and every shuttle time they're asked it. about the Pope, Putin they say no. Eh. Putin said they don't, no. They don't even acknowledge that the Pope has gone over there. They can't do that. Oh, it's been reported widely, but they, they can't say, look, the Pope's going over there. I mean, Why not? there's a big, because of security. Because of security. No, I'm saying they Come haven't on. acknowledged that the Pope is actually trying for peace. They don't really care to even. Why do you think he went over there to give his blessing to Putin to baptize some kid? Of course, he went over there to, to try to get brokered some kind of peace. Anyway, look. I put my case forth, and you did a very good job, I must say. I love these debates, um, and uh, we'll let the viewers, of course, uh, process it. And thanks sure. for coming. I hope, you, I hope you come back. Thank you very much. Anytime. Coming. Thank you. Okay. This is the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Joining us from Miami, Nicole Parker, FBI agent for 12 years, and uh, she follows the agency, obviously, as an alumni. Uh, very, very closely. In my Talking Points memo, did I make any mistakes or was I unfair, Ms. Parker? First of all, thank you for um, having me. I, you know, this is kind of what we anticipated that it was going to be. When Chris Ray comes in to testify, you can expect that he's probably going to deflect on many or most of the answers. Um, you know, a lot of times the answer is, you know, it's an ongoing federal investigation. We cannot discuss that. That's an ongoing personnel matter, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think that Americans want to know the truth. They feel like they are seeing this politicization happening and what's what's happening to fix it. There, there is no fix to this. And so I think that's what Americans were anticipating today. They wanted to hear Chris Wright testify under oath and understand the status of all of these concerns, one politicization issue after another at the FBI. And we didn't get that, correct? You know, a lot of us are left with the unanswered questions. Like I said, there's an easy way to deflect answers, you know, say it's ongoing sure, investigation, it's that's an ongoing it. personnel matter, that's uh, right. you know, protected, things of that sort. Right, very easy to do it. Now you're a professional uh, law enforcement agent and you know how to interview witnesses and uh, people who are charged with crimes. I didn't see any perceptive questions in that hearing today. Obviously, Democrats, they didn't want a part of it, but the Republicans wanted to make speeches rather than interrogate. Is that how you saw it? Um, you know, it's a chance for people to say what they want to stay in front of Christopher Ray and get his reaction. But yes, I do agree that many times it's not as much of an interview and um a testimony as it is stating what they want to get out and right. for the American public to hear. Making a speech. You were in the right. FBI for five years under Ray. You were in Miami most of the time, correct? I was in the Miami division my entire time at the FBI. Okay. Did you see, and remember you work for Comey, who has been proven to be very political. Did you see a change in the bureau under Ray when he came in? So I was an FBI agent under Robert Mueller um, and then James Comey and then Christopher Wray. 
Uh, when Christopher Ray came in, we all knew that he was coming in because Jim Comey had been fired um, after the Operation Crossfire Hurricane. And it, it was a different leadership style and that um, Christopher Ray was not as much in the public eye. He was not out there speaking to the media as frequently as we were seeing Jim Comey. Um, we were trying to regain our trust with the American people after what had occurred with Operation Crossfire Hurricane. And unfortunately, that politicization seemed to have continued even under Christopher, you know, even under Christopher Ray. Did agents in Miami discuss that? Were they all in agreement with what you just said, that the Bureau is becoming more politicized under Ray? So I wouldn't say all agents feel the same. I think that as an FBI agent, you have relationships with those in your own field office in the Miami division, but also field offices across the nation. You know, whether you're involved in something that appears to be political, I was working violent crime, crimes against children, uh, human, human traf trafficking, uh, you know, active shooters, things of that sort. And the politicization was seeping in regardless of what type of violation you were working. I tried to just focus on my violent crime cases, but because of the constant barrage of politicization, it was difficult to ignore what was happening. Can and so me, I would say agents, agents all over the country, okay, well, wait, we I all saw talk, it happening. I just want to talk about you. Can you give sure. me an example of, politic, mm -hmm. of what you saw in your right. investigations as far as politics are concerned? So my particular investigations, I did not see politics involved because I was working violent crime most of my career, white collar crime, violent crime, human trafficking, crimes against children, active shooters, mass shooters, things of that sort. But what I did see was that constantly there was a barrage of information and we were hearing about the investigations many times occurring out of WFO or Washington headquarters, such as, uh, you know, Operation Crossfire Hurricane. I had nothing to do with that, but we all heard about that. And we were all, you know, when Chris Ray came in and there were all of these changes that were made to the process. Again, I was not involved in those types of investigations or cases, but we were all held accountable for the mistakes of those that did, that were involved. Okay. So for instance, after Operation Crossfire Hurricane, we all had to do something called virtual academy. We had to go in and study and take these exams talking about, you know, what went wrong in that investigation. I, I have to tell you that doing a virtual academy training does not fix the problem. Character and honesty of those working at the FBI cannot be ingrained in someone because they are asked to take a training on virtual academy oh, there's, there's no after problem. something of this sort. There's no question about that. But the Justice Department, President Biden, and to some extent Christopher Wray, but lesser, have defined the major problem in the United States as right-wing militia groups. That's, they say, flat out, that's the biggest threat. Not the human traffickers, not the drug cartels, not Al-Qaeda. It's right-wing extremists, the biggest domestic threat. Surely you knew that, you heard right. that. Does right. FBI concur that that's the biggest threat? Agents on the field and ground level would not agree with that. I myself did not agree with that. That is not what I saw as okay. the biggest threat facing that, this country. That's now. a blatant example of politics. I'll give you another one. Abortion clinics. So there have been hundreds of attacks on Catholic churches in the last few years. Hundreds. But the FBI has solved very few of them. I don't even know if there's any investigations into any of them. But Abortion clinics, they're hauling people in right and left 
pro-life people who may overstep, go too close to the clinic or yell at somebody going in for information or whatever. FBI is all over it. That's what the Richmond office did with the Catholic Church. It was targeted at people who were pro-life. Did the FBI agents, you and others, know that was happening? We saw it happening. Like I said, there was a pattern of this type of behavior occurring over and over and over again. For me, I personally started seeing it during Operation Crossfire Hurricane. I also saw it during the Hillary Clinton email investigation. You answered the question. You saw it, you Mm -hmm. saw it, you saw it. Yep. The FBI bureau chief and all of them all around the country, in Miami, Denver, Seattle, wherever it may be, they have to answer to Washington, D.C. They can't go against the prevailing political sentiment coming out of there, correct? So that is one of the issues that I believe is occurring at the FBI. There is too much power at the headquarters level and up in D- the D.C. area, whether it's WFO or whether it's you know the Baltimore field office or headquarters. The cases need to be decentralized and need to be worked out of the individual field offices. So I am correct in saying that Washington, like a giant octopus, is basically controlling all of the bureaus and the bureau chiefs, the FBI chiefs in charge, aren't going to go against Washington. That's something that we that we saw, you know, we just saw that there was a lot of um, guidance coming down from headquarters and you were basically that's what you do. Each individual field office is separate. Right. But all this is an example of something that that I saw and that we all saw at the bureau during the summer of 2020. There were cities burning to the ground. There were federal buildings that were being damaged, and there was no call out for FBI to respond and to protect those those buildings and to protect these cities. But yet, you know, when it comes to a political uh, matter, you know, around January sixth, full force of the FBI was enlisted. So after the George Floyd riots, after the George Floyd riots and the Antifa in, in Oregon and all this. The FBI essentially stood down. They didn't look there was at never, it. Right, go ahead. Right, there was there was never like a widespread call out like right. there was for um, January 6th. There just wasn't. I mean, we received multiple emails saying, hey, you know, we need volunteers to come to D.C. for this. I never saw a widespread call out bureau wide during 2020. I just did not. All right, Ms. Parker, thanks for your candor and honesty. It's a service to the American people. We really appreciate it and we hope we can Speak to you again soon. Thank you. Here's a gem from the No Spin News Vault. And joining us now from Dallas, Texas, is the world famous Glenn Beck, author of the brand new book, Arguing <laughs> with Socialists. Beck, before we get to anything, I, mean, I gotta I say, don't... I gotta say, yeah. you're, you're looking tan. You're looking Frankie Avalon-ish. How, do, how did you get tan? What? Uh, I've been, uh, I painted, uh, my barns, uh, at the farm and been taking some trees down. So I've been spending a lot of time, uh, outside, just trying to get the, uh, outside, right. Wow. Either that or I'm stuck inside painting, painting. So, Say hello uh, to but Bill, uh, I don't me. even warrant a tie. <laughs> I don't even no, warrant no. a tie, huh? No, 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 no. We, we are all about the journalism we're not about the trappings anymore. Uh-huh. Have you thrown that away? I'm liberated <laughs> now. <laughs> All right, back. So right, okay, good. Y- yesterday, uh, President Trump's economy is coming roaring back. 
Uh, if he built it, he's going to build it again. Now you, you're a doubter here. Is that correct? No, I I hope that he can. I think some of the things that he's uh, that he is stopping the Democrats from doing uh, will help us rebuild. I don't think this is going to be as easy as everybody thinks it is. That we're just going to turn it on and everybody's going to go back to work. Uh, there's some uh, there's some real problems uh, on the things that they're doing. Uh, you know, we're entering uh, modern monetary theory now, which is just endless money printing. You've got Nancy Pelosi calling for you know universal basic income. That that's that's going to put us into a situation more like 1930 between 1930 and 1940, where the depression just didn't end because we were experimenting with things. Let's get back to the free market. Well, uh, they're printing money, and I have warned my audience that uh, the dollar is at risk uh, if this continues, $25 trillion debt for the USA. But Donald Trump told me on the radio in an extensive interview, you may have, have heard, that he in his second term, if he's reelected, he's going to get that debt down, that deficit down. He's going to drive it down. Do you believe that? Uh, no, uh, he's always been a debt guy, but I mean, I hate to doubt him because everything he says he's going to do, he's done. Uh, so, uh, but I think he's going to be facing some severe headwinds, uh, especially from the, uh, the Congress, uh, they are looking at spending and spending and spending. I know it's, it's amazing. They have to do it now because of the pandemic and you have to basically provide uh, financial relief to 325 million people. Not all of us, but many, many mm -hmm. of us. Now, uh, your book, Arguing with Socialists, big New York Times bestseller. And I know they're thrilled to have the name Glenn Beck in the New York Times paper. <laughs> earlier with oh with bill Hannah. if we could only do it if we could only do it together it would be so great uh, maybe someday <laughs> but I, they're going i am yeah. so happy glenn beck is on the bestseller list now oh, they love it let, especially let arguing against socialists oh, right right it's a win-win for them mm -hmm. beck and anti-socialism yeah, yeah, yeah. they they love it <laughs> all right right why in your opinion are so many younger Americans enthralled with socialism when on display is Cuba, Venezuela, Red China? Why do they still want it? Because they see um, great growth uh, from China uh, and they don't they're not seeing the bad things. They think this is just a hybrid between socialism and capitalism, which it is, but they don't see the oppression uh, that is there. Uh, no one is teaching them anything about Cuba. Cuba has great health care, Bill. I mean, <laughs> you learned that from Michael Moore. I mean, it's uh, it's yeah, great. There's no stuff. doctors there. They but, don't. But yeah, they they have free healthcare. No yeah, doctors. Yeah, they all left. Um, sutures are sutures are uh, you know give you're given sutures by a chicken, I think, um, and they think that socialism is happening in Sweden. That's not a socialist country. But here's here's the most important part, Bill. Put yourself in the shoes of a 25 year old with the education system the way it is. 
You're 25. You were born uh, the year that uh, Timothy uh, McVeigh blew up the federal uh, building in Oklahoma City. You have no memory of that, but that's where your America begins. Then the next thing you probably do have some recollection on is 2011. You remember a war that we're still not out of. Uh, you're remembering the economy almost tanked. People were afraid. Um, people hated America. Uh, everything we did was wrong. Then your next event is 2008. The banks collapse. They get all the money. Your mom and dad probably lost their savings. Maybe they lost their job. They struggled. The next event that happens is this one where everybody is struggling, you're losing small businesses, the banks are making money, the big businesses are making money, and nobody's caring for the little guy. If you're 25 years old, that's your view of America and the free market system. And I have news for you. I would be with them because I would look at this and say, this doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so the, we took that attitude with the book and said, look, I agree with you. Lots of things don't work right now. But it's not the fault of the free market. The free market hasn't happened for a long time. We now have this, this cronyism capitalism, crony capitalism that is merging with giant corporations, and it's the worst of all of it. Well, I disagree with you somewhat on that premise, because when I was 25, I was working my butt off. Okay, I wasn't thinking right. about crony capitalism or Chase Manhattan Bank. I was working my butt off, Beck. I was trying to accumulate enough capital, all right, to do what I wanted to do to save some money, which I was drummed in me, into me by my father, okay? And then I was trying to go up in my career, not for money so much, but for accomplishment. And so I wasn't thinking about Karl Marx or what can the government do for me or any of that. I was working hard. I don't think they are either, Bill. I, I, oh, I, I think there's a lot of people. I think there's I, a lot of people. The majority of people are not actually reading Karl Marx and thinking of that. They are seeing when you grew up and when I grew up, we had an expectation that our life would be better, that our life would be more secure, that the, the great horizon of America was just beginning to dawn. And it was true at that time. Now, because of the corruption and everything else, for the first time, Americans don't believe that their life will be better than their parents. That's, that's a difference. So they are work working hard. their butt off. They just don't. No, what'd you I, say? I disagree. I disagree. Look, do you know, you know that Tom Petty song? Come on and take a free ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. There's uh, I don't segment. think that was Tom Petty, but. With somebody around Tom Petty. Yeah. Tom Petty knew <laughs> who sang that song. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm so, sure it was. They knew right. each other. They were on the same bus. Bernie Sanders' message is the government's going to take care of you. We're going to take care of yes. you. Okay? And that's yes. what this segment wants. They don't want to compete and well, work but, hard. But because, because part of that, though, Bill, is part of that is this uh, chase for celebrity, that celebrity and stuff will make you happen, will make you happy. That's a lie. You and I both know it. But without the foundations of, of morality and, and faith, 
That is very, very attractive. Nothing has meaning anymore. Money doesn't even have meaning anymore. Do you remember when a trillion dollars was a lot of money? We just printed so much money that we, if we were actually still using a printing press, it would take us over a year to print the money that we just digitized and spent I, in the I last month. I understand, and we're lucky that America is still the only place on Earth there where people can invest and expect a return because that's what props us mm. up. Beck, I got one more question. Well, I don't know. Well, the investment, I, hang on, I just don't know if that's true. Investment's still coming in. They can still sell T-bonds. They can still sell their treasury securities. They can still do it. The to market's the Fed. still there for that. To the Fed. Beck, you got, you got hay in your barn? I do. You got Can I come out there? and I've never actually seen hay. Um, but I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, have I would. I will fly you down. You heard it. To have you spend a day on the farm. Oh, I'd fly you oh, down. Come meet man. my cattle. <laughs> and I, I want chitlins. Whatever they are, I want them. All right, Beck. Glenn uh, Beck, the book I don't is... know what they are either, but okay. Arguing with socialists. Thanks, I'll be on with Beck on his uh, radio program on Friday, as we are weekly. And uh, buy the book in very interesting conversation. Thank you for listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. To watch the full episodes of the No Spin News, visit BillOReilly.com and sign up to become a premium or concierge member. That's BillOReilly.com. Sign